Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Well, we finally reached the point where you think to yourself, what the heck do you talk about? Yet the outline is still 14 pages long. Welcome in to Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SABX Montana TV. You want to watch or listen anywhere else besides on your terrestrial radio or your terrestrial television. Just go to our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Click on the Listen Live tab, and you'll find the stream. If you want to watch us somewhere besides the television, you can go to our YouTube channel as well. Just Google Nuanez Now, N-U-A-N-E-Z. That'll get you to the podcast each and every day as well. Podcast is also available on the station website or any of your podcast hosting platforms. You want to give us a call or shoot us a text, 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. A lot to get to today. Mike Nugent back in studio, second Thursday in a row. I booked him uh, last Thursday, or last Wednesday, I guess it would have no, been. It was Thursday. Was it? Okay. And then uh, then we uh, had to audible. I guess Mike was here last Thursday. He pinch hit uh, for a couple people uh, that couldn't make it. And uh, then he'd already had this one on his calendar, too. So we're happy to have Mike back in studio with us. We're going to talk, of course, Grizz and Bobcat spring football. Probably hear a somewhat entertaining uh, soundbite from New Portland State head coach Jace Coburn. We played it yesterday, but I want to rehash it because I want to get Mike's take on this. Is it really make you hungry if you just don't eat breakfast? I don't really know. I don't know if it makes you tougher to drive around with no air conditioning either, although I am a big fan of AC. We're also going to talk about the validity or lack thereof in a, from a variety of different factors of the spring football season. And uh, we're also going to... Um, get into some of the new signees for both Montana and Montana State basketball. Uh, the men's basketball, the late period, opened a little while ago. I guess it would have been um, last week, about a week ago today. Uh, some so, so some official signings uh, so far. Uh, Bobcats signed five in the fall, and then they signed uh, Washington transfer Raekwon Battle uh, in the spring here. And uh, Montana, the University of Montana signed no one early, but then they signed three uh, that they confirmed just a couple days ago. So we'll get into those guys as well and see how maybe they can contribute to the team, fill some holes. It's sort of weird because the the late signing period used to also almost always be reserved for uh, mid-year guys, transfer guys, and hardly ever was it high school guys. But now it seems as if 
especially with this weird zero year. There's all sorts of different things in flux. So we will get into all of that. But first of all, how you doing, Nuge? What's going on? Can't complain. Good. Good to have you back in studio. We're rolling with no producers. They're allegedly on their way, so we'll see how this goes. This is quality control uh, at is at its finest. Let's talk some spring football. So Montana, first and foremost, the Grizz finished up their spring season 2-0, 107-10 against Central Washington and Portland State. I do find it interesting that uh, I think Montana looks so good that there was also some skepticism about maybe their opponents being really bad. But I'll tell you this, I think that Portland State, they will be better in the fall because they're going to have at least three and maybe four new offensive linemen. They have several different drop-downs coming in, and uh, those guys uh, will likely start. They also had one of their main starters out, and then they also lost their best offensive lineman in the transfer portal, Corbin Sorensen, who actually almost came to Montana once upon a time. He uh, hit the road to Oregon State. So their offensive line was sort of in flux. Manuel Dagbo, their big receiver, who's uh, Bruce Barham told me uh, he thinks is their best player. He was not in the game either. Uh, Darian Chase, the re- receiver from Nebraska, you could tell he kind of, I think he popped something early, so he kept, he wasn't really uh, in the game much either. Uh, all that said, though, dominant performance by Montana, so I'm not trying to make excuses for Portland State, but I also tell you, Portland State's not as good or is better than what they seemed uh, on Saturday, regardless, dominant performance by Montana. You're not trying to make excuses for Portland State. You're trying to cover for your takes. Interesting. So I think you, we're going to lead off with this. <laughs> I mean, last week, you said two things on this show that I, I think you need to answer for. Okay, let's go. You said you think Portland State is a top four or five team. Still think so. And you think that Portland State's quarterback is one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Absolutely. I Montana watched Blitz. that game this week. I've rewatched it. I don't know that I could agree with you on either take. So tell me why well, so who's, you're still right. Well, so first of all, Davis Alexander is is one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I mean, he's a, is four, he a he's better a quarterback, four, or is he just a great athlete who runs around a lot? Well, who's a good quarterback in the league? Because everybody in the league is unproven. He's second best quarterback in the league by full attrition. Because there's no one else in the league that's played in the league yet besides this truncated and largely irrelevant spring season. I mean, I, I guess I, I guess I should I, maybe I, maybe I should rephrase. Maybe he's not the second best quarterback in the league. He's the second most veteran quarterback in the league. And if there was a second team preseason All Conference, I think he would be the selection. I think Davis Alexander would be interesting. I, I mean, I, I, he has he's started thirty plus games. The only other guy in the league that started at all are Tucker Rovig and Cam Humphrey. Everybody else has new quarterbacks. Cause everybody brought in transfers. Okay. Uh, you know, actually watching what I watched during spring, I still think Davis Alexander is better than the kid that Northern Arizona brought in. That he's better than the kid that Southern Utah brought in. I don't think he's as good as the kid Idaho brought in. I actually think that Beaudry kid is pretty good. Uh, the Bronson Barron kid at Weber State, uh, he's a freshman, but he has some potential, I think. Tyler Vanderbilt was actually the second-team all-league quarterback and the newcomer of the year in the Big Sky for the spring season at Idaho State. He looked pretty good. I think that the... So, Montana just completely annihilated Portland State, so I think it's hard to uh, judge Davis Alexander because they were taking advantage of a hurt uh, offensive front, but they also were um, just bringing the house. And I think the testament to Davis Alexander is I bet you the, the Grizz blitzed 60 to 65% of the time in that game, and he only got sacked once. He got hit 20 times. I mean, he got hit pretty much every time. But it, it, on his scrambles, he was getting back to the line of scrimmage and not making a sack. But um, I, I, do, I still stand by that I think Portland State is pretty good. Here's the thing. We're going to get into this in the second hour a little bit, too. But, I mean, Mike McFeely, who works at the Forum News in uh, Fargo, he wrote a column today basically with some stuff from all uh, corners of Eastern Washington's camp saying that by the end of the month, their president and their athletic director are going to have to make a decision on what Eastern Washington's future is. I'm speculating. I'm, I, am, uh, I am projecting the worst. But I just think that regardless of if there is a drop of football or a move down or even the, the, the conversations about any of it, even if they stay put for this upcoming season, I think we're going to see a similar deal as we've seen in men's and women's basketball in football at Eastern Washington. I think that's going to hurt them in terms of uh, the upcoming season. I think that is a fair um Concern, And if I was an Eastern fan, just based on what's happened in the basketball realm, I would be worried about that. Um, I just don't know that I buy Portland State as a top five program. Like, Well, who's better? I, I, Here's I mean, the thing. Southern Utah's fallen from grace. Northern Arizona sucks now. Th- that's like, great. But okay, I mean, Sacramento State, me maybe. Why, tell me why the team we watched on Saturday is better than Idaho. I mean, or <laughs> Idaho State, for that matter. Uh, well... You know, so it's like, who's right. better? I mean, it's like, Eastern's a wild card, and as they're constructed right sure. now, they're better. A lot, Montana, a lot, a lot of Montana fa- State, Weber, 
Sac State, UC Davis. I'd take all of them over Portland State. I, I forget about Sac because they opted out so soon. So maybe I think Sac, I'd probably have Sac fifth. Here's the thing about Portland State, multiple factors. Again, their best player was out. They didn't play their other stud receiver as much as they probably uh, wanted to because it seemed like he might have popped a hamstring or something like that. He was hobbled a little bit. But also, there's, I mean, and you don't want to use the COVID as a crutch because everybody's gone through it, but everybody's gone through it at completely varying levels. Portland State was essentially locked out of their facility. And this is a fair totally. point that I think that the fans out there who are debating this in the Big Sky world right. don't recognize. I mean, even even with the COVID restrictions and, and it hindering in a negative fashion, Montana, Montana State, they still got to have a fall ball. They still had to, like, they, they still, still got in the weight room. They got they lifting still... sessions and all that. They had to take a longer winter break, so then they had to hit it harder when they came back. But Portland State did not get to be around each other period nor did they get to use their facilities at all for until mid-january so they were basically off from march until mid-january so to me what i saw more than anything was one team that was in unbelievable physical condition that's montana and a team that was in horrible physical condition that's portland state i mean like the offensive line guys Half of them were like on the sideline getting watered down, and like they were. There's a couple guys that were slow getting to the locker room just because they were so hot, and it was only in. It wasn't even hot; it was only in the the um, the uh, low 60s. So it wasn't like a crazy uh, heat wave. So regardless, I, I still stand by that. I think that Portland State is going to be one of the, the top half of the league teams because I just think that Davis Alexander is really good, and I think the fact that he didn't look even even close to relevant at all is a testament to Montana and their swarming defense. You know what I admire about you? What's that? You are sticking by your takes. Well, that's right. <laughs> I just I just think that Portland State is good, man. Here's the, here's the other thing. You want to know what the other thing is? I think everybody else besides the I, – I, I think that this upcoming year, I think that Northern Arizona and like teams like that, uh, Idaho's the one I'm still so curious about. I'm mm-hmm. curious about Idaho. I'm curious if the no Mason Petrino thing is real and they actually could be like kind of good to even good. That's the one I don't really know about. But like Northern Arizona does not look as good as they did during the Jerome Sowers days the last couple of years like at all. They look they just don't look good to me. So in Utah has regressed severely since uh, Ed Lamb left there. Cal Poly is a shell of us. I mean, everybody talks about triple option, this triple option, that. Cal Poly had an NFL linebacker for like five straight years. They always had good players on defense. They just don't look the same to me at all either. And so I guess it's more the fact that I think that a lot of the teams in the league that did have some upward trajectory now, I think, have downward trajectory. Interesting. And people that maybe coming into that spring season we thought had a higher trajectory, maybe spring wasn't as good for them as... They might have expected. No question. Last question on this before you got to jump into your regular stuff. Sure. You're telling me that Portland State's QB and and Mason Petrino are not in the same category? (laughs) No, they're not in the same category. I think one is is a prolific player. The other is, uh, I don't know, he converts third and shorts sometimes. (laughs) All right. We can go on. Well, is now on it's tonight, ESPN, Missoula, Statewide TV, SWX Montana Television. Mike Nugent joining me, Colter Nuanas, here in studio. Uh, we did, we're doing this t- second Thursday in a row now. Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, a couple big questions for both the Cats and the Grizz. Let's start with the Cats because they are the ones that are still, quote-unquote, playing. Um, first of all, what do you think of the fact that they didn't? play any games? Do you think this is good, bad, or uh, uh, indifferent? I, I guess compare and contrast. Did did Montana have a systematic or or uh, noticeable advantage? The fact that they did play two real games. I mean, I, I think that playing two real games in the spring, just so that when you're going in the fall, you haven't not played in almost two years in real competition, was a good thing. Um, I think that MSU, given when Choate left and hiring a new coach and stuff, that would have been pretty tough to pull off spring games in their their situation. So I think it made sense for the Cats not to um, you know, play this spring. But I do think that you're going to see some first game rust, but I don't think it's going to last. Like I think that they're a quality team and a quality roster and they're going to kind of bounce out of it. But I think that, you know, I think we've all talked about game reps are better than practice and scrimmage reps. And you know, they they have a whole group of guys where they maybe missed out on getting two games of game reps. And especially for their QBs, and that might have made a difference. I, I agree with that. I think that it was d- apples to oranges, different situations, because you do have an established coaching staff that's going into year four, season three of the program in Montana, and then Montana State. I think that one of their big advantages will be just sort of the element of surprise. But um, 
So a couple questions about the Cats as they prepare for the Sunny Hall and Spring game on Saturday in Bozeman. My number one question is I think that there's a variety of ways to coach football. I think there's a variety of ways to inspire your players, to get your guys to, to sell out for you, to play hard, all that stuff. But when you have a group of guys that were used to one way of doing it, I make no mistake, Jeff Choate hammered home the mentality, the passion that he wanted, all that stuff, way more than uh, most coaches I've ever been around. And, and it was almost as if that was the only way he thought he could win football games. It was ironic because I remember I did this long-form story on Rob Ash when he won the, uh, the Liberty Mutual National Coach of the Year one year. And uh, we talked a lot about his football philosophies. And I asked him, what per- – what percentage of, of football do you feel is strategy, philosophy, play calling? And what percentage do you think is emotion, toughness, you know, the, the intangibles? And he said he thought it was almost exclusively strategy. If you have the proper strategy and you execute properly, the team that has more passion, that doesn't matter. I think that's why he got his butt whipped by the Grizz seven out of nine times. Well, Choate's the opposite. I think Choate would tell you if you have 99% passion and no schematic execution, you can still win. And so I think that that is a, it's a giant pendulum swing, but here nor there, you had five or a group of guys that had been in the program for five years, most of whom are going to be the headliners from Montana State. So my biggest question is how do they react to the change? Like How do they react to what's demanded of them, how they react to the schematic change, all of the above, because I think it is going to be a gigantic transition for everybody that's been in the program for three, four, five years at Montana State. You know, I, I mean, that's such a long question you just asked there. Um, I think that there's going to be some some slight drawback in intensity, but at the same time, I was thinking about this preparing for the show today. I mean, if that if that roster is as, as talented as you and I think that roster is, then the whole idea that they overachieved because Coach Choate was such a motivator sure. probably isn't accurate, right? That's but at right. the same time, I mean, I think, I think the that, I think that, say maybe they did. I, well, so. I, I think that the the this is why the the last five narrative years, doesn't. This is why the last five years of the Bobcats have been so fascinating to cover, though, because on one hand, I think that they have, I have had a, especially the last several years, especially when you talk about like the defensive front with some of those Washington guys. Washington transfers. They have had among, if not the best talent in the league by a, and by a lot. I mean, there's very few programs that can say, and I think I mean I think Isaiah Fonse is one of the best in the league when he's healthy. Troy Anderson is no question one of the best players in the country. But then you talk about all these other guys, Bryce Sturk and Travis Johnson and Kevin Cassis and all these guys that were, you know, big time recruits and all that. So on on that front, it's hard to say that they uh Overachieved because they should be a final eight or final four team in the playoffs when you have that many dudes that are that much better athletes. But on the other hand, I think that the way that, well, you, first of all, the volatility of the coaching staff, which you can't blame on anybody but the guy that's in charge, but the fact that they had multiple coordinators on both sides of the ball, the fact that it was always like an eruption ready to happen. I mean, they had multiple guys that were let go in the middle of the season. And Joe talks so well that he made it like a non-narrative he only let it be a narrative for a couple days, and then it was gone. But it's like, dude, they fired their offensive coordinator in the middle of the year, and it was like almost a non-story, which is crazy. But then they were terrible on offense. They went to Idaho State and scored 17 points and lost, and they had to then win out to even get into the playoffs. This is 2018. Mm-hmm. But regardless, I do think that the volatility probably held it back. And I think the other reason that there's maybe this uh, outside perception that they were quote-unquote underachieving is because they couldn't operate offensively except for in one dimension. And it's the easiest thing for the common fan to see is that if you are bad at quarterback, it's easy for everybody to see. And I think the whole narrative that they were quote-unquote underachieving came from Coach Choate's constant push of we're the underdog, nobody respects us. And so I think the narrative kind of became self-fulfilling almost where, you know, I think they... um, I mean, they, the talent was there, and the talent still is there in a lot of cases. So it's almost like they they achieved the level of success they probably should have in line with their talent, but they got there in a way that was almost more laborious than it should have been. And I think that that sums up Jeff Schultz's personality Absolutely. in a nutshell, right? Like life might be more complicated than it has to be. Uh, no question. And, and and just the constant challenging of himself to like make sure that he stays motivated, right? It's like you, you, you bring the challenge in front of you to make sure that it's there so then 
you can consciously try to overcome said challenge, but then also can talk about overcoming said challenge. Yeah, it's, it's, it was a fascinating dynamic. What do you think? What are your What is your biggest question for the cats coming into this thing? I mean, my biggest question for the cats is: is can this transition to having a real quarterback centric offense make a difference for them? I think the answer is going to be yes, because I think if you look at the talent on defense, and even you look at some of the talent on offense, you mentioned uh, Fonse is probably one of the best backs in the country. Yeah. You know, if they can turn that quarterback position into something that can be relied upon, maybe it's not all conference, but, you know, relied upon as opposed to kind of there to facilitate whatever the offense is that they ran. I think they're a pretty scary team. Well, absolutely. I mean, and, and I mean, we're we're not even talking about the number one factor that they have in terms of what's coming back. And that's the fact that they have four all-conference caliber starters on the offensive line coming back. And that's the thing that's going to be interesting because you could talk about transitioning the offense to make it, quote-unquote, more quarterback-centric. You're trying to, you know, you're, you're really actually relying on your quarterback to win you games as opposed to just try, trying to ensure that he doesn't lose you games. But the fact of the matter is they can't go too far away from what their identity has been because you have multiple fifth-year senior all-conference captain players as offensive linemen, you got to just ride behind those guys. The question, it's like you look at any coaching transition, and the the more common thing is a little bit of a small step back as they transition to a new new offense, a new style. When you sat down with Coach Vegan, did he talk about – what he's doing with the O-line? Because isn't he kind of cross-training these guys? Like, they're all playing different positions, or they were at first? Uh, yeah, so Zach Red is their um, all-conference center. Started all 13 games at center last year. He's now playing left guard. They were working Taylor Tuyasasopo, their all-league guard, in at center. That's something that started actually in the fall, with Jeff Choate was still there. Part of that, I think, is I think I think that they think that Tuyasasopo's best pro position is at center. So and he did, he has dropped a little bit of weight. I mean, he, you know, got down to six five three fifteen. So he's he's feeling a little spelt. But um, but then the other one I thought was interesting is Connor Wood was an All Conference tackle as a sophomore before he got hurt. He's now playing guard. Lewis Kidd was an All Conference guard last year. Now as a senior, he's moving to right tackle. I do think that Kidd's probably best position is power tackle, right tackle at the pro level. But I just find that part interesting too because if you have this unit that are all used to playing specific positions, it just seems like it might be foolish to switch them around. I don't know. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, but maybe if like if if the center's best position is actually guard, it's like you maximize your talent on your team. It's just interesting that you would have such a dominant O line and mess with it. You know, for sure, and and that's what I'm so interested in all the way across the board, and that's why this is such an interesting situation because you have this defense that that is perfectly built for these specific positions. Like in a three-four, your edges are so essential. If you don't have the edge guys, the defense can be disastrous, especially at the college level. If you don't have the guys that are athletic enough to play on the edge but also play to the flat, it's missed tackles for days, and. They had guys that are the, among the perfect guys for those spots, like Amandre Williams, perfect buck end. Troy Anderson's the perfect Sam because he can also play big nickel. He can bump out, cover the slot, cover the tight end, all that stuff. And so I, I'm just so interested to see how those guys adjust to the scheme as well. So Nuwana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide TV, SWX Montana Television. Mike Nugent joining me. Coulter Nuwana is here in studio. We're going to come back to that. We're going to go back and forth here a little bit, but let's talk about the Grizzlies. My biggest question for the Grizz coming into this offseason is you could tell the Grizz had an edge these first two spring games. They were very, very uh, aggressive. They were very, very ready to play. They were hungry to play. How do you maintain that? How do you maintain that all the way through uh, into the offseason? Before we give our takes on this, here's Bobby Houck on this exact question after Saturday's game. Bobby, what's the upcoming months look like for the program? And is it a standard summer now coming up? Yeah, I mean, we had a pretty standard summer last year, too. Um, we've got uh, last week of class this week, finals week. Guys will have some downtime and time away in, in May, and then June 1st we'll get back and have summer training and get ready to go. So it'll, it'll go fast. It always does. And, you know, we're the way I view it is we're on the clock. We better utilize every minute. He's heard it before. You hear him laughing. But we're on the clock. We've got to get ready. The momentum you guys gained this spring throughout the, the next few months until you get back for the season. Well, you know, whether we would have 
whether we're two and our own two, we're going to go to work. Um, I think that guys this age and guys my age, it's a little more fun when you have a good taste in your mouth, but the work's going to get done and the weights have to be lifted. That You know, 300 pounds is 300 pounds, so go lift it. Um, but it, it's a little more enjoyable when uh, you've got those wins. So I think, I think we're, I don't think we were lacking confidence, certainly, uh, but we've got a confident group in our locker room. Nuanas now on a tonight ESP Missoula. Coach Houck is touting the confidence of his team more than I could ever remember before, just in terms of wanting to tell the world, hey, we're good. We want everybody to know we're good, and I want our guys to know we're good. What do you think of that? I think it's a little bit of like, hey, remember, we're still here. Um, you know, they opted out of the spring. They played this two-game spring season. He's putting it out there that he thinks the spring season is not legitimate. I think that there's truth to that. It's also maybe a little bit self-serving. So, I mean, it's all of the above. So, I think that it's kind of like, a, hey, don't forget about us. Because I think, I mean, you and I have talked about how Big Sky awards, Big Sky preseason teams, Big Sky things are voted on. I think that there are media people and um, uh, coaches in this league who are just... I'm not going to use the word stupid, but, you know, just ridiculous enough to way over-factor these guys that played the spring and overlook some of the other guys Interesting. On, on that. So I think that he's trying to kind of say, hey, like, don't forget us. And I think he's right, because I think that the difference between two games for Montana and, you know, what Idaho did this year is negligible. Like, yeah, you got more game reps, but I think there's a big difference between playing and not playing. And um, I think he's just kind of putting that out there. The other big question mark I have for this Grizz team is they had a year and a half, basically, to bolster the roster, to fill out the roster, and to get pretty much everybody to buy into new positions, new roles, all those things. They had a lot of guys that switched positions. I think that had a lot of success. Guys like you know, Jackson Lee moving to safety, Garrett Graves moving to safety, Levi Janet Carroll moving to linebacker, and on down the line. But Coach Alke made a comment. Uh, and we'll play that for you in just a minute. But he implied that they were going to bring in 40 guys before the fall. Well, I count 81 guys on their roster, and I count another 19 guys as the you know to be announced in terms of their numbers. So I don't know where the extra 20 comes from. I don't know if that's indicative of the walk-ons that they might add or the guys that they might bring in, or if he's maybe counting some of the transfers that are already here towards that number. But regardless, here's what I'm saying is Montana earlier this week, they lost... They've had four guys so far this week enter the transfer portal. Kevin, Kevin Armstead was the most recent. He's not a, anybody that I really knew. I had to look him up on the roster. He's a walk-on running back from California. But he joins Trace Latexier, who's an in-state guy from Boulder, who's a fifth-year senior. He's a fullback, as well as the Deming twins, Bryson and Braden Deming. So I do think there's going to be some natural attrition. There's going to have to be some natural attrition. But then if they really are bringing in a whole influx of guys, I think that there's going to be some other tough decisions that have to be made to get down to that 94-man roster heading into fall camp. So the whole, like, the NCAA is going to have to give some waivers, right? I think you think I so, mean, but they're not going to expand the amount you can bring to camp. I think you could, they'll probably expand the amount you can have on the not? roster. Like, it's about the athletes. Like, sure. It's, this is ridiculous. Like, why would they not? Uh, like, right, true. I mean, I, I think that, uh, um, I think... <sighs> I think it's going to be tough, and I think you're going to see less walk-on guys get get opportunities unless, you know, they really believe there's kind of potential for them. And I also think that, you know, Montana's, and every college football program has guys who never really become starters but are great program guys and are good, good influences and stuff like that. And I think you're going to see some of those guys maybe get cut. And I think that's unfortunate, but I think that I don't know any way around it because you're trying to squeeze six classes into five, you know, class segments. And, I mean, there, there's no way around it if you're not going to cut guys. Now, you know, uh, losing, losing um, now two of the four you mentioned, probably not big deals. The Demings both are contributors. Like, they're in the sure. deep. And, you know, it's, you know, I heard you talking about them on Monday with Sample, um, you know, and talking talking about Deming, the Deming on defense, you know, as as a, a guy that would very realistically be, you know, an 88 or whatever on Madden. Sure, you know, right. For that example. So, you know, losing those guys kind of hurts, but it's like this is one year where it's like, I think we're going to see a little bit of that because there is more life than football for some of these guys. And I think that they're uniquely positioned to overcome it. The interesting thing to me is like, how also do you factor in 
a random drop down. Because you you mean to tell me if they've got an opportunity to grab, you know, like a Pac-12 lineman, they're not going to take it, you know? So it's like, how does that all factor in? It, no question. And there's going to be there's going to be a lot of movement like this too because even though the FBS is not playing a spring season or even spring games, they are playing um, spring ball. They are having spring ball. So, and that's that's sort of what spring ball is mainly used for too. Is you come out of the season, you have this many guys on your roster. You know you've signed this many guys in February or December in a lot of cases now. So. Uh, what's the math? You know, I mean, how does it work out? It's, it's usually you always ha- usually have between 70, 75 and 90 guys during spring, and you probably have signed 20 to 30 guys coming in. So you have to figure out a way to get rid of 10 to 15 guys. So spring ball oftentimes is a pretty big tryout as well. Here's what Bobby Howick had to say about offseason recruiting following Saturday's game. And it sounds like you guys are finally going to be able to get back out and do some recruiting in June. What's the calendar look like for you guys? You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't I don't really care about it right now. We're gonna be we're gonna be late recruiting. We're not gonna sign a bunch of guys. We have forty kids coming in this fall, so we're uh, as usual. We're gonna take our time in recruiting. I could care less about early commitments at all. Um, our Montana recruiting tends to be a smidge earlier, but the recruiting is gonna be guys coming to our summer camp. I mean, I would say this year, if you, if you don't come to our summer camp. That's become a huge factor as well as the attendance at camps because uh, it's an easy way for coaches to see prospects live and in person, especially Montana kids, to kind of square them up against each other and see how they stack up. We got to get out because Carolyn, the chick who doesn't know sports, is swinging by right after this. Keep it right here on Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into Nuanez Now. We're switching it up all over the place. It's hard to change your routine, but this is going to be an easy change for everybody out there. We're going to be, keep doing this on Thursdays. It's, it's the chick who doesn't know sports with our good friend Carolyn here on Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. We did this on Fridays for years and years. We're changing it to Thursdays just for this season, spring, summer. Regime Seabrook, our good buddy, he's going to be sitting in the chair most Fridays throughout this uh, upcoming season. And so because of that, wanted to give a little bit more room to breathe and we needed a little bit more content on Thursdays. So now we're doing this Thursday. So Carolyn, hello. Hi. You think this means you get Fridays off, huh? I don't. Well, you usually do anyways. I do not. Hopefully our, our uh, boss isn't listening. I am always working. I just may not be working from this office. <laughs> sure. Or Montana. You're a very modern business gal. You, I'm a modern business you're lady. Very good at the uh, emailing from the phone, working mobily, as they would that's say. Why I'm a multitasker. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I'm a mom. That's what we do. Do you believe that men can't multitask? Yes. I don't believe that. A hundred percent. You will sit on your phone while we're in the middle of this and, and hear every word you say. No, you don't. Yeah, right. Okay. Well. I've been doing some soul searching about this segment. <laughs> okay, here we go. And I don't think it's funny anymore. Why? Because it's I not. I think it's really funny. <laughs> I don't. Okay, how do we make it funny? Well, we're going to start. What do you want to know? You're drinking Diet Coke out of a straw. It's going to fry your brain. Don't tell people that. <laughs> 
Um, this is a green smoothie with a metal straw. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, okay. right. I think we can make this segment funnier. I need to bring lighter content, which well, is that's what true. I've done today. That's true. I mean, yeah. I mean, last week we talked all about divorce. It was terrible. I don't even remember. Or breaking up or whatever. Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. Well, that's because he's a cheater. And we'd be talking a lot about profound um, social issues, which is good. Yeah, but not here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, right. I don't know. I mean, it's just all about what you want to be about. You're the chick who doesn't know sports. Right. So here maybe we this are. Is a, maybe this is a reflection of sports in general. Well, I think it is. Because sports in general have become so politicized, which I is unfortunate. Agree. When I, I was... never, I never believed the whole shut up and dribble thing, but I do think, I, I, I still don't, but I do think the, it's become a little bit overwhelming. Just the, the amount of social everything that's just weighed down on all of the sports. On everybody. Right. But yes, I agree. In fact, when I'm doing my hardcore research for this segment on TMZ, it is all, <laughs> um, it's, it is, it's a lot. Of, and I understand and I appreciate everybody having their, everyone having feelings and opinions and stuff. But I am not a deep person. I think that's false. I want to just be funny. Okay. That's all I care about. Uh-huh. Well, may- maybe you don't like the fact that this has gone to depths that you are uncomfortable with because you use humor as a way to shield yourself <laughs> from the outside world. Oh, my God. Is this a therapy session? Maybe. <laughs> I just think you don't realize how funny it is when you make fun of Tom Brady for his sweet potato chips. That's funny yeah, stuff. No, I'll make, I'll make fun of that all day. I just feel like the last few times have been like a little, you know. Okay, well, let's go. What kind right. of levity are you bringing us today? Well, I guess since I just mentioned TMZ, I would like to say that Montana made TMZ this week. What did we do now? Well, it wasn't us. It was our mm. wildlife. Okay. There was a mountain biker in Whitefish okay. being chased by a black bear. Thank God it was not a grizzly, but right. they have, it's on video. Montana Knife Company actually shared it on their Facebook page if, if you want to see it. Um, and... For some reason, TMZ picked it up. I don't really think it's a sports story, but it was mountain biking, so I guess, you know. But I was just so excited. Whitefish, Montana, (laughs) made it to TMZ. Well, then Whitefish recently, I can't remember which outlet it was, but some pretty prominent and large national outlet, Whitefish, Montana, was named the... I believe it was the nicest city in the world or something like that. The the best place to live on Earth. Wow. So that's really bad for us. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's already... Crazy here. How are we going to make it out of this is what I want to know. We're keeping this light. I know. Coulter. But like, I just don't know what's going to happen. I'm not even talking about it right now. If you want to get into that later, Okay, so the mountain biker was getting chased by a bear. Yes, but the mountain biker made it. Um, He's okay. Bear. I don't know. I guess maybe he got scared and I don't know. It was crazy. I would have been pooping my pants the whole way. There would have been a trail of the, Is that ladylike? What, I don't think so, but it's also human nature. I think uh, once upon a time, a kid I went to church with growing up, he got his uh, he got attacked by a mountain lion up the rattlesnake, and he like escaped. And it was by part of this camp counselor. There was a, it was like a camp, and the camp counselor scared the mountain lion off. Um. Anyway, so guys, bring your bear spray, and girls, bring your bear spray. Be bear aware. Indeed. Um. I. This is why I don't camp or do things outside. <laughs> See, I just, I, I always thought camping was so funny. Unless you go somewhere really remote, like going to a campground is such a funny concept. Right. You just drive your truck up to this right. place and like sleep next to other people in the dirt. And a, a bunch of food and, and cook it there. And this and dirty fire pit. It. Yeah. yeah it's, no. Why don't you just cook it at your house? I don't know. I, I'm totally into camping if you're like in the wilderness. No. But campgrounds no. are so I don't mind a ca- campground, but I don't want to be out in the middle of nowhere. I don't want to eat freeze-dried food. Okay, what else you got? Okay, have you heard about the Kardashian curse? <laughs> okay, no, maybe. Apparently, they get guys that to fall in love with them yes. and do all these things, and then they discard them, and then these men go downhill fast. Right. Well, besides James Harden, who got rid of Khloe Kardashian and then won the MVP. He's still a jerk. <laughs> okay. Anyway. But it, it, he but actually yes. did say that it, it it improved his athletic performance significantly to not have TMZ and, and other people following him around all the time. Totally. Um, but it also launched him to fame, I think, a bit. 
I sure. Think. I mean, well, I mean, his basketball prowess would have, but he also, I don't know. It's actually very interesting because there's a lot of guys that are professional athletes that have dated the Kardashians that are significantly more famous than they deserve because being involved with the Kardashians. Whereas James Harden is an interesting case study because he might be known by certain people like you because of the Kardashians, but he's also an elite basketball player and with the beard and everything, yeah. he was going to be a superstar anyways. Okay, fine. He's not like Tristan Thompson and Chris Humphreys. And like those guys are not really that good at NBA players. Yeah. Most people wouldn't know who they were unless you're a huge NBA fan or you right. read the tabloids. Well, Lamar Odom says yeah. there is no Kardashian curse. In fact, thanks to the Kardashians, he is still famous, even though he doesn't play basketball anymore. He's there, also probably still alive, thanks to Chloe. Yeah, I just struggle with the Lamar Odom part of this whole thing. Because Lamar Odom, I think, was going to be a tortured person no matter what, because he grew up very, I mean, he grew up with very little structure in Long Island. I mean, there's the famous story of Lamar Odom didn't get his driver's license until he's 28 years old because he'd just been riding the subway and just been, you know, a street urchin basically his whole life until he got to the NBA. And then he was like, well, I don't know how to drive, so I'm just going to buy a car and have somebody drive it for me. And, uh, I don't know. Lamar Odom's an interesting one because I loved Lamar Odom as a player. Loved him. And, uh, I think getting involved with the Kardashians was certainly detrimental to him, but you never know. I think that the like extreme fallout when he was uh, in Nevada and overdosed and all these things. Funny ranch. Yeah, I mean, I think you have that in you no matter what. Yeah, Kardashians might have just triggered it. I think he had had some drug issues prior to the Kardashians. For sure. I mean, he he had got suspended in the NBA multiple for for failing drug tests. Well, he claims there is no such thing as a Kardashian curse. I disagree. I think there is a Kardashian curse. Look at Kanye. What's wrong with Kanye? He's just I think that, spiraling. I think I don't think so. I think Kanye is um, I think Kanye West is one of the most misperceived people on the earth. I think people think Kanye is crazy. I think Kanye is brilliant. I think he's just a tortured artist. This is supposed to be a funny segment. <laughs> just a friendly reminder. I know, but why well, don't want to understand why do people hate on Kanye so much? I don't know. I've never liked him. I've never been a fan. Interesting. See, yeah. I've always been such a huge fan. I love him. I just think he's so... I don't like... The personality thing I don't care about. I just think he's such a great musical artist. Um, Great. I don't. Okay. <laughs> so God, <laughs> So you think God has the Kardashian curse. Okay. Um, yeah. What I do you think, think about uh, Caitlyn Jenner maybe running for governor of California if the recall election, uh, if there is a recalling of the governor and there's a recall election? I think it would be great. I just don't think California is ready for Caitlyn Jenner to be their governor. Well, she will run as a Republican. So that in itself, what I think would fry Californians' brains. I mean, I would love it. I would love every minute of it. <laughs> it would be something, that's for <laughs> I sure. I just don't think, I think there's too many people who wouldn't get past the fact that she's trans and I mean, they wouldn't They wouldn't look at the bigger picture. Although it sounds like California really hates their current governor right now. Totally, hence the recall. I also, I think they should just get Arnold back in there. Arnold. I mean, I thought he did a good job. I don't know. I have, I have no, no idea. idea. California politics is so far outside the realm of what we live like in Montana that it's just like, right. a, it's a different country. So yeah. I don't even know. I mean, it's really its own country. Yes. It's like, it should be. Yeah. It's, it has and, its own viable economy and everything. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's viable these days. Well, that's true. It's a disaster. <laughs> it's a disaster. Chick who doesn't know sports. On Nuana is now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Our good friend Carolyn stopping by here on a Thursday. What else you got? All right, these stupid YouTubers, <laughs> Logan and Jake Paul. These are the guys that are boxing. They're, and they're trying to fight everyone. So Logan Paul is trying to fight Floyd Mayweather. I just, I can't get over this. I hope this happens so bad. I want to see Lo, uh, Logan Paul get his butt whooped. Oh, well, okay, so let's be clear. If he fights Floyd Mayweather, he's going to get destroyed. But his brother beat some MMA star. Were like, they in the same weight class? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. And it was box. It was an MMA guy that was just boxing. Maybe. Right? Yeah. This is totally different. Floyd Mayweather is objectively one of the greatest boxers that's ever lived. Floyd Mayweather, he doesn't get hit by Manny Pacquiao, let alone this guy. Well, I, I just hope that this happens because this will show fully how elite these guys are at fighting. I hope he TKOs. Is that the right term? Well, yeah, technical knockout. You just want him to get oh, a straight up it's knockout. Technical knockout. I thought yeah. it was totally knocked. <laughs> 
<laughs> nope. TKO. So KO and a TKO go both goes down as a knockout, but a TKO sometimes is when like if you're just getting beat in the corner and they call and they it call off. Call it. Oh. God, I thought TKO was totally knocked nope, out. Nope. <laughs> and that's like you're totally knocked out. Nope. Well, nope. That, Technical knockout. See? I don't know anything. Um, well, his brother Jake beat some MMA star like big time. And then now he, his brother wants to uh, fight a UFC star, Daniel something. I don't know. I can't read my handwriting. Okay. Daniel, what's it start with? C. Cormier? Cormier. Yeah, Cormier. It, who wants to fight Cormier? Yeah, this. So Cormier's Jake been. Jake Paul. So Cormier's been retired for a couple years, but he's the former heavyweight champion of the world. These guys are crazy. I know. This is like, A, YouTubers are so stupid. And then, no offense if you're a YouTuber and you're listening, but these guys, like, these particular YouTubers are so stupid and think that they. I don't even know. And then they're like f- trying to fight real fighters. So I'm really hoping they get TKO. Not, <laughs> but not, totally knocked out. Not, not even technical. just real fighters, though. That's what's so crazy. These guys are trying to fight former champions. What if they tried to fight The Rock? That's such a good question, actually. Um, Dwayne Johnson is not a trained fighter in any form or fashion. He's a lover, not a fighter. I mean, he's he's obviously like an unbelievable physical specimen, and he could he's a phenomenal athlete, so he could probably be trained up pretty good. But there's totally difference between learning how to box to box in like some charity boxing match. I mean, Floyd freaking Mayweather is again. He's one of the greatest boxers of all time. He's like a trained killer. I mean, oh god, I hope it. <laughs> Floyd Mayweather is. What, I mean, he Floyd Mayweather could beat almost any person that's ever boxed before, let alone some guy who's like not a professional boxer. Well, honestly, if this is a pay per view, I will pay to watch. Oh yeah, go down. Oh yeah, I want to see that guy get. TKO. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, well, I have one last story. This is a biggie. Okay, we got to the other side of the yeah, paper. Yeah, I had two those pages, double spaced. Kobe and Nike, their relationship is over. His So posthumously, yes, Kobe so Bryant has lost his endorsement. He, well, he didn't lose it, so his contract ends at the end of this month, but Vanessa did not like the new contract. Mm. What Nike wanted to do was produce less to increase more demand and therefore less people would be able to get the shoes, the Kobe shoes. And she was not happy with that because she wants kids to be able to wear Kobe mm. shoes and mm. um, more accessibility mm. and all of that. So it's over. I mean, that's not surprising on Nike's part because you want to make the commodity more rare so then you can charge more money for it then it automatically becomes a collector's item, all that stuff. Respect Vanessa for that, for doing that as well. What did you think? Who's the guy that sings the Old Town Road? Oh, Lil Nas X. What'd you think of his shoes his with the shoes? blood in them and stuff? I mean, I'm not going to buy them. Super but weird. If someone wants to buy them, go for it. I just don't understand. I don't either, but... And then Nike sued him because... He, I, I don't know why Nike got involved because they weren't Nikes, but I, I don't know either. Yeah, well, well anyway. I, do, I just don't get it though. Why, the, why, why does he have human blood in his it, shoes? Because we're talking about it. Why is all he news, trying to seem all press like a is, Satanist? All press is good press. I guess we're going down a weird slope. If that's where we're at, I don't even know. I mean, they sold out. I like six hundred dollars a pop or something oh, stupid. Oh man! But I don't think that they were really say. I don't know. I don't care. What's going to happen to society? It's going to uh, implode. I think so too. I've been watching uh, The West Wing and The Sopranos. Oh, nice! Very interesting watching both classic shows. In my opinion, two of the best shows ever made. But twenty some years later, it's mm-hmm. so crazy how antiquated they seem. I would really like to rewatch Sopranos. You should watch it. You yeah, should rewatch it. I will. It seems like a hundred years ago when yeah. you're watching it. The style and the the cars that they drive and stuff, it's so weird. So I saw a meme on Facebook yesterday that said 1980 is as far away from us now as 1940 was in 1980. Whoa. Right? That made me feel <laughs> really old. Isn't it so funny too though? If people that grew up in you know the the age of modern media, so uh, cable television wasn't even a thing until like you were a kid. You know, right? Nineteen eighty four, in the eighties, yeah. yeah. 
So it just seems like that. The, then that stuck in everybody's brains like this this timeline, right? Where you just think of everything from like. 2000 before and 2000 on, right? Like, doesn't 1980 seem like it should be 20 years ago, not not yes. 40 years ago? It's not possible. Right. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, the 90s was 30 years ago? Oh, my God. Like, The Sopranos came out in 1999. Yeah, I remember. I was so, working in Chicago, <laughs> and we would talk about it every Monday morning, and it was like... Do you remember how big of a deal that that was, though? Huge. Huge. Like, was, to, have, to have on-demand, like, rated R TV. Yeah. It's crazy. I just watched a documentary and um, on CNN. I think it was the 2000s. So good. So good. And they talked about how HBO with uh, The Sopranos, Sex and the City. What was another big? Oh, um, Six, Six Feet, Feet Under. Under. Yep. I mean, those were all shows like we, it was appointment television. Yep. And we would talk about them the next day. Or my friend and I would record him on VHS and then watch him at lunch the next day. Ah, nice. VHS, gosh. Yeah. Did yes, you ever get into is. soap operas? I did. I used to watch all my children at work. Ooh. We would watch at lunch. My mom used to watch General Hospital. And then I loved Days of Our Lives in college. <laughs> so funny. It's the best. Are there still soap operas on? I think there's like one left. They're not. I'm they're surprised not really. that they haven't canceled it just because of the name. But I also wonder... Like who who's watching them, and then what will they put in to replace them in the daytime? More talk shows, because like who's TVC watching stuff? Probably who's watching daytime TV? Infomercials. I don't think like on NBC or ABC they would put infomercials. Yeah, maybe some more like Geraldo reruns. Yeah, oh, maybe they could bring back Jerry Springer. Oh man, how good was Jerry Have some Springer? Th chairs getting thrown. See, that's what we need back in in societies. More Jerry Springer. Did you know I went to Jerry Springer? No way. <laughs> Were you chanting? Um, it was before Jerry Springer became what he became because <laughs> it was like 1994. And I went to Jerry Springer and Jenny Jones taping. Oh man! Yeah, man. so it was a good it was a good time. <laughs> so I was a I was on TV long before I was on Yellowstone. <laughs> Just wanted to put that out. Has there. that been? Have you been out yet? Like, is the episode that you're in out there yet? No, it will uh, premiere in June. Mm. And don't worry, everyone will know. Everyone will know when it's out. I gotta love it, guy. Anything else? Negative. Chicken doesn't know sports. Do this each and every Thursday right here on Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Thank you, Carolyn. Enlightening as always. You know, I learned something about you in that segment. What? You're a West Wing fan? I love West Wing. I mean, I, I, me too. Like, how have we not made this connection? Uh, how do I say this without revealing myself too much? I would absolutely vote for uh, Jedediah Bartlett. <laughs> so I would say that doesn't really reveal you that much, although, I mean, yeah. But I actually, in college, I knew quite a few Republicans and quite a few Democrats who both liked the show. Well, right, so. because it's not that it's not extremist politics. I mean, President Bartlett is a Democrat in that show, but he's largely pretty moderate, especially considering how uh, more polarized our uh, politics has become Regardless, we don't need to go down that Yeah, I was going to say, it probably took us in the wrong direction. No, it is fascinating. If you've never watched The West Wing, they got it on HBO Max now. And um, it's really interesting just in terms of the politics of politics, as dumb as that sounds. Like mm -hmm. the president's inner council, it's all about his speechwriters and his press secretary and how are they going to spin this to the media or the masses, the public at large. And it's obviously a little antiquated because things are s just completely different some 22, 23, 24 years later without Twitter and things like that. But it's a very educational and well-written and witty show. I mean, it's a, it's a very well-done show. I, I loved it. Yeah, no, it was good TV. We got to take a break. Because we gotta take another break, so we can get back to the for the second hour. So keep it right here, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate.
Hey, welcome back here. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Statewide Television, SWX Montana Television. Yesterday, we discussed on the show, Rashawn Rainey and I did. I'm Coulter Nuanez, by the way. Sean Rainey and I discussed all the various coaching uh, openings and then closings in the Big Sky Conference, from football to men's basketball to women's basketball. We had two men's basketball jobs open up following the Big Sky Tournament, Eastern Washington, when Shantae Leggins departed, and uh, Portland State when Barrett Peary left to be an assistant at Texas Tech. Shantae Leggins, by the way, going to the University of Portland. Eastern hired David Riley, an assistant uh, for that position, and Portland State hired Jace Coburn, a assistant for Peary, as well as Ty Giving. So he's been at Portland State for a little while. Women's side of things, Montana hired Brian Holsinger as its new women's basketball coach. Mark Campbell hired at Sac State to replace Bunky Harkle Road, who had his contract not renewed. Lynn Kennedy at Portland State left for McNeese State. Chelsea Gregg takes over at Portland State. She was also an assistant. And Eastern Washington has not hired anybody. Well, as of last night, another opening in Big Sky Conference women's basketball. This one surprised me. Jenny Huth, who has been at Northern Colorado for a couple of years. She took over Cami Etheridge. Uh... It seemed like she was doing a really good job. They got a bye in the tournament this year. They made it to the semifinals of the tournament. They competed against Idaho State in the semifinals before Idaho State won that game. And she just abruptly resigned last night. Not fired, not taking another job, at least not to anyone's knowledge at this exact moment. Just straight resigned. And and that was after coaching Alicia Davis to Big Sky Conference MVP honors this last year. So uh, that was a strange one, to be sure. We'll get into that in just a second. But... We played this yesterday, but we got to play it again because this thing's gone viral, and I just think it's ridiculous, but I also think it's funny. So here is Jace Coburn from his introductory press conference at Portland State earlier this week. The other thing is, is I'm hungry and passionate. I don't eat breakfast in the morning so I can come to work hungry. So when I get to lunch, I'm hungry, and that's just the kind of person I am. I know my 2003 Chevy Tahoe's got a lot of play this week so far, but, like, it doesn't have AC, and it doesn't have heat. And the reason I do that is so I can practice my mental toughness during the winter when it's cold, and I can practice my mental toughness during the, the summer when it's hot. That's the type of person I am. It's the type of person I am. I'm not the type of person. I cannot live without air conditioning in the summer. Uh, I also enjoy eating breakfast. So, <laughs> But, Mike, I guess the, the question here is do any of these basketball hirings or any of these uh, splashy enough or or do they even make a mark on the radar? Because it seems like uh, Eastern Washington and Portland State for, for the the men's positions, they just they had to go internal. They didn't even like hold coaching searches. Montana did have a national search for Brian Holsinger. Mark Campbell did not get that job, so then he ends up at Sac State. Portland State also promoted internally for women's basketball, and then Eastern Washington hasn't hired anybody for women's basketball. So it seems as this is sort of a lackluster. Not, I'm not saying these are bad hires. I think they could be just fine, but there was not really any big splash besides the dominoes that fell from the Lady Grizz head coaching hiring. Yeah, you know, I actually think the the first most important question is, uh, did Portland State just call up Coach Choate and say, do you have like a crazy <laughs> cousin who might coach basketball? Oh, that, that's God. ridiculous. It's so funny. Does it make an impact? That thing has been retweeted like five 500 times. Right. I mean, better or worse, more people know that Portland State basketball exists than did two days ago. I don't know. I mean, I've always thought that Portland State, from a basketball standpoint, should be good. Should be good. Right. I mean, like, I think football is hard at school like Portland State. I think basketball should regularly be in the top of the conference. Well, I mean, and, they, and they have been, not the top, but they got a bye at the tournament two years ago when they had Holland Woods, and they should have, I mean, they would have been in the mix to be a semifinal team at least, because they would have, I mean, they would have played the 4-5 game against a Montana State, State team that was, you know, beyond Harold Frey, just kind of okay, mm-hmm. not even, I, honestly, below average without Harold Frey, and... uh you know, they've been better than more often than not. I mean, here's the thing is, is you know, is winning uh, a pair of Big Sky championships over the last 15 years, which is, in, by the way, more than Montana State, more than Northern Colorado, the same number as Eastern Washington, is that fulfilling or failing to live up to expectations at Portland State? I think because here's the fact of the matter. At the Big Sky Conference, Weber State or Montana goes to the NCAA tournament every year. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying, like consistency. Sure. You know, it's like they should be one of the ones like every year you're like, who's in the conversation for for um, the Big Side Conference title? It should be Weber, Montana, Portland State. I mean, Eastern obviously has built it that way, but the support, the finances would not support that. Sure. So that's more of a grit and coaching thing. But, I mean, they've got all the recipes there, and they've got a nice place to play. They have a great place to play. I mean. Probably the nicest basketball arena in the Big Side Conference, absolutely. actually. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future of Portland State. Uh, I want to talk more, a little bit more about that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the the coaches at Portland State and sort of the sticks that they encompass and what that does just for the perception of the university, good and bad. We're also going to talk a lot about the spring football season as well as some of the signees for both Montana and Montana State men's basketball. More on Nuanas now. Back after this right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. <laughs> 